Well, we are going to be looking uh, today at the Lord as our healer, and we'll be looking at an account out of Mark chapter 1, and uh, also some Old Testament passages that just display that, that God is a God who heals. And as we move into this new year and we reflect upon last year, the healing that is needed may look different from person to person. And some may be here today and, and you say, yes, healing is what I need. Uh, maybe it's physical healing. Maybe there's been a, a diagnosis and there's been a, a physical ailment, a struggle, something that has caused pain, discomfort, and you're, you're praying for, for relief. Or maybe for some, it's, it's spiritual healing. Maybe, maybe there has, has been uh, something spiritually that has taken place over the last year or, or in the past, something that's caused hurt or heartache, maybe even related to the church, and, and you just need God to, to come into your soul and just bring about a healing from whatever that experience or hurt has been. For others, it may be, it may be relational. There may be a, be a, a relationship that has, that has struggled or has caused pain and heartache, um, I, I suppose we could, we could fill in the blank with, with who knows how many different ways in which we may be looking for healing in this coming year. And so I just w thought it would be good for us to begin the year re being reminded that the Lord our God is a God who heals. And so we'll be looking at that from a couple of different perspectives this morning, but I pray that, that we can look unto Him, just as we've been singing and we've been praising Him, that we can look to Him and look to His Word and ask God to use it to nourish us today, to use His Word to, to give us hope for the days that are ahead, to give us assurance for the, for the life that we're living, even if it is a time in which there has been uh, discouragement or heartache, for us to know that we are not alone. We're certainly going to read an account today of a man who knew that the Lord was his only hope. And with boldness and with courage, uh, he approached Christ. And, uh, and I think that we can look at this brief narrative and see that it gives us a glimpse, a glimpse of the character of God, yes, his, his strength and his power to heal, but it also gives us a picture of his heart and his compassion. And so as he looked upon this man who was suffering from a terrible disease, he also looks upon us, and he knows who we are. He knows what we've been through. He knows where we're at this very minute, and he looks on us with that same kind of compassion, that same kind of love. And so I pray that, that even if those are words that, that are familiar to you, that you'll, that you'll look again for a fresh touch from the Lord. Or maybe this is a concept that is entirely new. I think I've never thought about drawing near to the Lord, to be touched or healed by Him. And so I encourage you, dig in to what we're going to look at today and see how He might use it in your life as well. We're going to be looking at a man here who is in a desperate need for a touch. And uh, we're in Mark chapter 1, and if you've read through Mark's gospel... Uh, you know that it moves very quickly. In fact, there's, uh, uh, it's, it, in many cases, there's summaries of things that have happened, and you can read other gospel accounts to get more detail. And so already in the, in the first chapter, we have the, the announcement of, of Christ's coming. Uh, we have his baptism. We have him calling disciples. We have the temptation in the wilderness. Uh, we have him uh, healing uh, people that are sick and crowds coming upon him, and we're still in chapter 1, right? I mean, there's a lot happening here. But Mark is giving a, a picture of the life of Christ, and, and uh, one of the, the, uh, the examples that we'll look at today is his, is his uh, desire to heal, his desire to come alongside those who are hurting. And so we pick up in verse 40, and we see that there is a man dealing with the disease of leprosy. And so let's pick up in verse 40 and read to the end of the chapter. 
It says, and a leper came to him. A leper came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, he, and he was made clean. Verse 43, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So Jesus is wanting him to go to the, the priest to show that he's been cleansed so that he can then participate with, the, uh, with the, the places of worship and be included in that, but there was a process. So did the, did the man do a good job in, in staying silent and only finding the priest? Well, let's keep reading, verse 45. But he went out and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So we get this picture of the healing that Christ provided. We see a, a man's life who was changed, and in fact, it was changed so dramatically, he had to tell others what he had experienced. So I know that as we think about this man with leprosy, it may be uh, something that is a little unfamiliar to us, uh, the, the disease of leprosy. There are cures today. There are medicines. And so even uh, there are uh, occasions where people uh, have leprosy, but it is something that if they have access to medicine can be treated. So it may not be as familiar to us, but it's a terrible, terrible disease, a disease of the skin, a disease that, that can even disfigure. People can, can, uh, uh, can have scars and lesions. You can lose uh, uh, fingers and toes. And, and uh, so I know that it's, it's something that we read about. We may not have personally seen it. I've got a couple of pictures, and I, I share these with you only uh, so that we get a, a better perspective of the condition of the, the person that was coming. And just, just think about the pain. Think about the heartache that must be when you're living with a disease like this, something that, uh, that, 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 that causes disfigurement, something that, uh, that causes isolation. In fact, the next picture you can see, you know, just even what takes place on the face. Um, we, we don't know the, the degree of this man's uh, disease, but if we were to read this account over in Luke chapter 5, uh, which also mentions it, in verse 12, it, it describes this as a man full of leprosy. So you get this idea that he not only had the disease, but it was, it was really wreaking havoc on his entire body. And so this is the, the condition of the man who is coming to Christ and asking for healing. Of all the diseases, leprosy at that time may have been the one that brought about the most hopelessness. Not only did they not have a cure, but they also had provisions that if someone had leprosy, they weren't allowed to be within the proximity of other people. They were, they were placed in isolation because of the fact that it was contagious. And so they were kept away. And uh, in fact, uh, if you look at Leviticus chapter 13, you see some of the provisions that are there uh, to keep others safe. It says in verse 45, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes. Let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. 
His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So do you get the picture of what this man's life was like? Not only hurting physically, but also hurting uh, relationally, socially, being, being uh, removed from those around him. Utter isolation. Ostracized from society. And when he did encounter another person, did you catch what he had to do? What would he have to say? Unclean, unclean, as if giving a warning to those that he was coming so that they could keep their distance. What a terrible, terrible place of desperation. In fact, the famous Jewish historian Josephus summarized those uh, dealing with leprosy as being treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. As if they were already dead. That's how life was for the one who was a leper. But this leper understood his condition, but he'd heard. He'd heard about Jesus. In fact, if we were to look in verses 30 and 31 of chapter 1 there, we see an example of Jesus healing other people. In fact, one of them was Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And so somehow the word was out that this man, Jesus, could heal. And this guy, the leper, understood that if there was any hope, it would be found in the one who had victory over disease. And so... uh, So we see his cry, the leper's cry comes in verse 40. And it says, if you will, you can make me clean. Isn't that an interesting statement? There's already faith in these words because he's making a a declaration, Jesus, you can heal me. You can do it. So he must have heard from others their testimony. And now he's saying, I know you can do it. Will you do it? Will you make me clean? And so, of course, we see that, uh, that indeed Christ did, but I, I, I love that perspective that the leper had. It was almost as if he were saying the words, I know that you have done it for others, and I know that you can do it for me. And maybe some of us, that's how we came to faith. That's how we became followers of Christ. We saw the work of Christ in someone else's life. And we said something similar like, Jesus, I have seen what you did in their lives. I've seen how you have given them new life and set them free and released them from the bondage of sin and given them a whole new perspective on life and eternity. You have done it for others. Will you do it for me? And maybe for some here today, that's an invitation for you to draw near and to see what might the Lord do for you in your life in providing healing encouragement, and hope, and peace. If he can do it for others, he can do it for me. We look at verse 41, and we see that, uh, that Jesus, it says, was moved. What is the word that's used there? Moved with pity. Moved with compassion. And in fact, that word means to feel it in the stomach, or to feel it in the gut. It's like I am seeing and sensing desperation to the point that it causes a physical response within me. It's that kind of compassion. Have you ever experienced it? Have you ever had that kind of compassion for someone? Where you, you saw what they were going through? I think for the first time it, ha- it happened to me was when I was in junior high. When I was in middle school. And I had a friend named Tom, and I won't go into all the details, but he was, he was going through and had gone through a lot of family turmoil. 
uh, in many, many different ways. There was, there was addiction involved, and there was abuse involved. And, as, and I remember one night, I was just thinking about that, and it, it, really, it really made me physically feel sick. And, and that's what this word means. It means that Jesus saw something with his eyes, but he felt it in his stomach. That kind of compassion and the word that's used here, obviously, is, is pity. Jesus is feeling a gut-wrenching compassion. But notice, Jesus didn't just see the need. He met the need. It says in verse 41, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, it's interesting because would, have, would the leper have been touched very often? No. And in fact, um, the leper would have been the one giving the warning. Hey, I'm, I'm coming, so you may want to keep your distance. But Jesus could have healed verbally, couldn't he? He could have just said, be healed, and just kind of do it from a distance. But he didn't. In fact, the passage says he stretched out his hand. The man was kneeling, that's what the passage says. He stretched out his hand to touch him. And that communicates volumes about the love and the mercy of Christ. The fact that he wanted this man to feel his touch. Kent Hughes, pastor who, uh, made, uh, who wrote a commentary on this, uh, said these words, an observation about the touch. He said, this man was full of leprosy. We can reasonably assume that he had not been touched by a soft, healthy hand in years. If he had had a wife... He had not known her touch, much less her embrace for a long time. If he had had children, there had been no kiss, no touch. Whatever his family status, he must have longed for a touch. Did Christ see that? Did Christ know that part? With his compassion, he knew and he stretched out. He made the effort to touch this man. Let me just ask you. Have you thought about the need for a touch from Christ? Have you ever looked at Christ as that, that healer in which you say, I, I see what's happening in my life, but God does too, and he cares, and he has compassion upon my situation, and, and I know that if, that if he stretches out and, and he touches me, it will make a difference, because that's the kind of character that Christ possesses. That's the kind of, of person that he is. He's a God who wants to care and reach out and touch those in their time of need. And again, as I said, I don't know what the needs are in this room. I don't know what the fears are. I don't know where the healing is needed. But you know, an all-knowing God, an all-loving God knows. He knows what's needed. And I encourage you, draw near. Draw near to him and verbalize that to him. This man was bold. He approached Christ and he stated what he needed. And he said, I know that you can do it. And I see in this narrative a picture of someone coming and recognizing, Christ, I know that you are the only one that can make a difference in my situation. And I'm coming and I'm asking. I know you can. And I'm praying that you will. Do that. Do that for your marriage. Do that for your struggles. Do that for, 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 for a, a, a hurt in the soul or a broken relationship. It says here in verse 42, as soon as Christ touched him, what does it say happened? It says in verse 42, immediately, immediately the leprosy left him. 
Now, what do you think that would have looked like? A man covered with lesions and scabs and maybe missing fingers and toes. All of a sudden, immediately, the healing comes and his flesh is restored. Maybe he had fingers and toes growing back into the the proper place, being restored to full health. Amazing. This man who used to go out and tell people, unclean, unclean. What do you think he was doing as he left Jesus' presence? I'm clean, I'm clean, right? He just, he could not hold it in. He had been changed, he had been healed. His life would never be the same again. And we know from the text here that that's exactly what he did. He spoke, he shared the news, and in fact, it brought other people that they would then come and see Jesus themselves. Word got out that Jesus had healed a leper. And if Jesus can love and touch and heal a leper, everyone in that day had hope. And you know what? Everyone in our day can have hope as well. I want us to think about this text and make some points of application. Um, and then we'll, we're going to look at some Old Testament passages as well that, as well that deal with healing uh, briefly. But I want us to think about this narrative and think, what, what can we take this story, this account, and how do, we, how, do we, uh, how do we look at it for the here and now today? What do we do with it? And the first point is this. We must be willing to reach out to the lepers of our day. And I know you look at that sentence and say, well, wait a minute, Ryan, you already said that we didn't really encounter lepers. That's why you showed us the pictures and gave the description. Well, I want to ask you, who are the lepers of our day? Who are the people that that our culture or maybe even our church might say are untouchable? You fill in the blank. You tell me, who are they? What are they struggling with? What are those sins, those bondages? Maybe maybe it's something that, that they brought upon themselves. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's, it's turmoil that they've caused other people because of, of the, the recklessness of their life. They may be the ones that you and I don't draw near to. But do you think they may be the ones that desperately need a touch from the Lord? Well, I'll let you fill in those blanks on who they are. Because in your life, there may be some people, maybe some people you work with, Right? Maybe some people that, that you know or live near, and you think, I don't want to be near them. I don't want to go by them. I don't want to spend time. I don't want to invest. But yet, they may be the one that needs a touch from the Lord, and he may work through you to provide that touch. They may not have others that would do that. They may live a life that, that just screams unclean, unclean, and people may not ever draw near to them, but maybe, just maybe that's what the Lord's asking you and I to do. Secondly, we must recognize our spiritual sickness. Let me say it this way. In the Bible, sometimes physical sickness is a picture of spiritual sickness. Sometimes even something like leprosy is used as a description to say, this may be happening to the body, but think about how sin is wreaking havoc on the soul. And just as someone would want to have physical healing for for a disease we must also desire to have that spiritual healing for the soul. Here's how J.C. Ryle described it. He said, is there nothing like leprosy among ourselves? Yes, indeed there is. There is a soul disease which is ingrained in our very nature. It clings to our bones with deadly force 
That disease is the plague of sin. And like leprosy, it is a deep-seated disease, infecting every, effect, infecting every part of our human nature, our heart, our will, our conscience, our understanding, even our affections. This is the picture of us apart from Christ. This is the picture of the Garden of Eden when sin entered the world and all of a sudden brokenness happened and separation from God and humanity took place. And that's why the, the, the longing for the Messiah to come and, and be that rescuer, that redeemer to bring humanity, give them that opportunity to be restored was such good news. Well, we are in that condition when we're born. We have this sickness of our soul. And we, we experience the, the, the outcome and the bondage and the results of that until we find the healing that comes through Christ. And so maybe today it's a matter of recognizing our spiritual sickness. Number three, another way we can, we can take this passage is we can take comfort in knowing the Almighty Lord. And we can praise Him for the healing of our souls. And I trust that many here have a story. We sang that at the beginning this morning, didn't we? This is my story. Well, we were singing that we have a story, that we have a testimony. There was a point in time where we didn't know Christ, and then a point in time where we were introduced to Him. And we say, we have a story to tell. We have a, a life story that speaks of the change, the transformation, the healing that has happened. I've been touched by Christ, just as this man was, and my life has forever, eternally been changed. And so we have this story, and may we be able to share it with others. May we be able, even in this new year, to allow that to give us reason for praise, reason for hope, because of who we are in Him. When I was a young child, my mom uh, had a, a poem and I, I was trying to think back, did she have this? I know it was, it, was, it was typed out, and I think it might have been framed on the wall, but I'm not exactly sure. But I read it several times, and uh, come to find out it was a very famous poem. Uh, I didn't know it at the time. And then later I would hear songs sung about this particular poem. And so I read it in the, in the early service, and, and I, I told the earlier service, I'm sure everybody here has heard this, but I'd really like to read it again because I think it connects well. And I had people come up afterwards and say, never heard that before. That was a new, new, uh, new story. And it's, a, it's an account that takes place in an auction where there's an auctioneer who has all kinds of items that he's going to put up for sale. One of these items is an old beat-up violin. And so let me read to you the poem called The Touch of the Master's Hand by Myra B. Welch. And if you've heard it before, which, again, I'll assume that a lot of you have, listen to it in light of what we have seen today out of Mark's gospel. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried. "'Who'll start bidding for me?' A dollar. A dollar? Now, who'll make it two? Two dollars. Two dollars? Who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. 
From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody, pure and sweet, as sweet as an angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bidding for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars! thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand! Who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried, we do not quite understand what changed its worth. The man replied, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and torn with sin is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But, but the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. The touch of his hand. We've read about the touch of his hand on the leper. We know that he heard of the touch of the master upon others. What about you and me? Are we ready? Are we ready to experience maybe again the healing that only he can provide? In the Old Testament, there was a name given for God. And it was the name, well, there were many names, but one of them in the Hebrew was Jehovah Rapha, and that literally means the God, your healer, or the God who heals, Jehovah Rapha. And it's first used in the book of Genesis. When Abraham is praying, his wife is barren, and this word Rapha is used to say that she had been healed. It's used other times as well. In fact, in the book of Exodus, we went through the book of Exodus just about this time last year. And if you remember, we, we followed the people of Israel out of Egypt and, and, a, and across the sea, and, and they come to the wilderness, and there's this place where there's water of Marah, and, and they, they begin to drink the water, and there's a problem. Do you remember what it was? The water was bitter, wasn't it? And, uh, and the Lord, he, he healed that water, right? He made it drinkable for them. And here's what he said after he did that. Verse 26 of Exodus 15, if you will diligently listen to the voice of your Lord and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. Throughout the Old Testament, this word is used to describe the character of God. Yes, he is the God who has created, but he is also the God who heals. 
And you can go and find this word over and over and over again. In fact, the word Rapha is used in 1 Kings 18. I was talking with one of my sons this week on the way to school and said, do you remember that account of of the prophet Elijah and and, uh, going against the prophets of the false god Baal and how they set up these altars and how it was the true God that responded? We we were talking about that, and, and, and that word heal is used to describe what Elijah did when he, when he rebuilt and repaired the altar of the Lord. And so this, this word Rapha conveys the idea of restoration. It conveys the idea of something being repaired and restored so that it's useful and fruitful again. It was happening there for the altar. It happened in the life of Abraham's wife. It happened for a people, at least it was, it was uh, shared that it could happen in Second Chronicles chapter 7. Very famous verse used to describe a people who had been idolaters, okay? That's the context. And here's what, here's what it said. If they turn from idolatry, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Anybody heard this verse before? We, we, we've heard this. We've prayed this verse for our own country, haven't we? Well, listen to what happens. If they pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and do what? Heal their land. Rapha. This is what God desires to do, is to be the healer. He alone is the source of all healing, even if he uses other vessels and ways to provide the healing. He is the one. David understood this. The word Rapha is used in several different psalms. Now, just as the word was was used to speak of physical healing in the examples I just gave, let's also see that it's used to speak of spiritual healing. In Psalm chapter 41, David uses the word Rapha. He cries out and says, As for me, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me. For I have sinned against you. Spiritual healing. Maybe 2018 was a year where you have strayed. Maybe it was a year where, where, where you were not following close to the Lord. David re- can relate to that. In fact, we all can if we get honest about it, that there's seasons and times in our life where we're not. But what did David do? He recognized that he needed to be healed spiritually. So that's the second way that God can heal. But also in Psalm 147, we see the tenderness. We see the compassion of Jehovah Rapha because he is described as the one who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. What is that speaking of? Someone that's brokenhearted. Someone who's wounded emotionally that the Lord is able to heal. And folks, isn't that good news that, that, that God can draw near and even help with those, those kinds of emotional scars and wounds that, that at some point everyone will experience? Now, maybe at different, differing degrees, right? We understand that. But at some point there will be a need for that kind of healing too. And here we have Jehovah Rapha. He heals physically. He heals spiritually. He heals emotionally. All around us in our world, we see the ravages of the fall into sin. 
We see the consequences. We see the struggle. We see the conflict all around the world. In Isaiah chapter 1, the prophet spoke of what he saw in the people that he was ministering to there in the, the nation of Israel. He said, ah, sinful nation. He says, you are a people laden with iniquity, laden with sin, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. L listen to the words of the prophet. They're pretty stinging, aren't they? He's talking to him and saying, look, this is what I see here. He says in verse 5, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? And listen to how he describes them. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head. Now, was Isaiah making a, a cheerful diagnosis here of this nation? No, he's saying, look, this, this is bad news. But you know what else Isaiah does? Fast forward to chapter 53. I believe Tim referenced this last week. In chapter 53, he says it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to stay this way because God has promised that he will bring a deliverer, a Messiah. And listen to how he describes the Messiah. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. There's that word again. Rapha. That he, Isaiah was looking forward in a prophetic sense of the Messiah that would come. And to see that, that he would take our wounds that he would take the penalty of sin, and because he was wounded, we would be what? Healed. We would experience his healing. Now we fast forward again to the book of 1 Peter. Peter is looking back on the life of Christ, and it's interesting, he uses Isaiah 53 language here. In 1 Peter 2, he says, he himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And what does the end of that verse say? Would you read it with me? By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. Isaiah said it. Peter said it. Jesus pictured it for the leper. And as I read through that this week, you know the one thing that struck me? Jehovah Rapha of the Old Testament is seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the one who heals is the one who was wounded on our behalf. Isn't that amazing compassion? To put himself in our place because he wanted us to experience the ultimate and total and complete healing that only he could provide. Well, I'm going to finish. We're going to pray. But I want to ask you, will you take this understanding of the Lord our healer and will you pray now, right now, and ask God to help you see what that means for you? Maybe there is a particular area that has already jumped to your mind. Or maybe, maybe there's someone else that you know of Right now, they need to experience the Lord's healing. If you have any questions about what it means to know Christ as Savior, that's where it begins. 
And we have some tables on the side, and we have a team, our prayer and encouragement team. They're going to be making their way over to the side during this song. And if you would like to talk with them about what it means to follow after Christ and experience that, that healing that he offers, would you go over and talk with them? Either during the song or, or when the service is over, they'll be waiting for you. That's, that's why they're there. They're also there that if, if there's someone here that would like to have another person pray with them, maybe there is something on the horizon or maybe there's something that you're going through and you just would like to have a brother or sister in Christ just, just bow with you and pray for you, that's, that's what they're there for. And so the response is up to you, but I pray that you hear and see the Lord's compassion today and that you will be like that leper and be moving forward to him and asking of the Lord for what it is that you need today. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, Jehovah Rapha, we thank you that you are a God who heals. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy that expresses over and over again your concern and care for each one of us. And Father, you alone know the needs in this room. You alone know where the healing is needed. And so God, we simply want to reflect on this passage we want to proclaim that we believe that you are a God who heals. Just as the leper believed that you could heal him, we believe, Lord, that you are still in the healing business. So God, may you be at work even now. Help us to respond. Help us to receive. Help us, Lord, to draw near. We pray for this time. We pray even for the offering as it's received. Lord, may you use it and bless it that your message of restoration and healing can continue to go forth in our community and around this world. We pray this in Christ's name. Christ, our Redeemer, our Healer, and all of God's people said.